Hello everyone, Pastor Marco here. Just want to welcome you to our podcast. We're glad to be able to share God's word with you. Want to let you know that we have a brand new website, newlifesouthcoast.com. It's a great place to stay connected and involved in the life of the church. Listen, if you live in the area, come check out one of our Sunday morning services, 9.30 or 11.30. It's a powerful time, and we also have kids ministry for all ages. I believe this message is going to encourage you and challenge you today, but also make sure you share it with a friend who needs to hear the Word of God. Blessings. Today, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 5. I want to talk to you today on Superhero Sunday about becoming an everyday hero. I believe God's calling us to be everyday heroes. I believe that's the call of every single person who says, I'm a father of Jesus. God's got a plan for every day. Not just for some days, not just for Sundays, but every day can you say Amen. So Matthew chapter 5, this is, this is the most famous uh, preaching uh, sermon of Jesus called Sermon on the Mount. This, this, this message has gone all over the world, has changed lives upon lives, and he continues to speak to us today. Jesus is in the middle of explaining this is what it means to be a follower of God. This is what God came to do in our lives. And so he gives them this charge back then as he does it to us today in Matthew 5 verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if he has lost his flavor? These are the moments that I wish we were in a black church and someone was on the keyboard so they can do their thing. Mm. But you, somebody, you are, that's my preaching fantasies, uh, comes out once in a while, but I'm Cape Verdean, so I got the African part, but I don't have the black American African, you know, so um, can, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where he gives light to everyone in a house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Someone say, amen. Superhero Sunday, you know, uh, I'm a huge superhero fan. I've always been. I was born and raised in Cape Verde Islands, in the best island of all the ten. I was born and raised in Praia, Santiago. Um, I do believe when we get to heaven, we will speak Creole, we will speak Cape Verdean, all of us. Um, and so, um, and so growing up, we, we had our own version of Halloween. We don't have the same version that we have here, but we did have one. And, and I used to love dressing up my, my favorite superhero. And, and every year, my mom was the MVP because my mom would hook me up, man. My mom would go all out and, and, and get everything I needed to get my costume, right? We didn't have, you know, stores you can go and buy something. We had to make it from scratch. My mom made every single one of mine. And I know my sister's always talking about, like, you spoil. I think they just jump that my mom likes me better um, than them. But that's another story for another time. They're here, so I don't want to like put them on blast or anything like that. But can you give a shout out to my mom? She's awesome. Um, my mom's awesome. She's over there. So last night I was like, mom, I need a picture. I need to show them like how good you were making like these amazing costumes. And so she sent me this last night. This is, this is me in Cape Verde, a Superman right there. That's awesome. Two things you need to pay attention to. She made all of it. And number two, I had hair. Did you notice that? Like, did you notice? Not just that I have hair. I had like blonde tips. You know, I, like, I, was, I was the kid in my neighborhood that was made fun of for being a white Cape Verdean. Even Cape Verdeans are racist. Even Cape Verdeans are racist. Like, they would make fun of me because I wasn't dark enough. Like, it's my fault. Like, I, Cape Verdean. Like, my, my dad is, looks mad white, you know. Uh, what do you to do? You know. But man, we had so much fun. The only difference between our Halloween and Cape Verde here is that when I came, I was 15, I heard that here, you get candy. You get to go to people's house. I was like, word? I'm 15. I started trick-or-treating late. <laughs> I went trick-or-treating when I was 15. I went trick-or-treating with my boys. Like, we used to take our pillowcase and hit the best neighborhoods in Pawtucket, like the rich neighborhoods that we know, like, had the best candy. I, I, no shame in my game, man. I trick-or-treated all the way till I was 20 years old. I was in college trick-or-treating. I had to catch up. I lost my childhood. Like, I didn't have, you know, the privilege of trick-or-treating, and I love candy. I went trick-or-treating last week. No, I didn't. I'm just, 
I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but I love superheroes. I, I just love everything about it. And, uh, and I love that we live in a time and age where now all the superhero comics that we read as kids are now like coming to real life in real time. Like, did you watch the latest Thor movie? It's incredible. If you went to superheroes, go watch the Thor movie. If, you're not, if you don't know what Thor is, like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you so, like, adult that you can't enjoy life anymore? You know? Uh, I love it. I love everything about it. You know, and what's cool about superheroes is the fact that, you know, all the premise of every single superhero is the fact that they're supposed to save someone or something. You notice that? Like, every single one of them is about saving a city. Gotham is burning. I must, you know, that's my Batman. Um, (laughs) Batman, like, the guy, all he did is scream. We don't even know what he was saying. Who sent you? Um, anyways, again, you guys don't know what Batman is. What's wrong with you? Um, but every single movie is, is the premise that they're called to save a girl, to save a city, to save the world. And I love that because that's the heart of Christianity. Right? At the heart of Christianity is that something went wrong with the world and God had to send the ultimate hero to come and save the world and his name is Jesus Christ. Like he came to give his life as a sacrifice so that the world can be saved through him. Now that's good news that, listen, none of us could save the world but Jesus is the innocent uh, person that never did anything wrong. He's the only one qualified to be able to pay the penalty for our sins. And so at the bedrock of everything that you read, you're reading a superhero's story the thing is he's the only superhero capable of saving the world and I want to challenge you today to go home and research other religions I want to challenge you to research so you can see it for yourself that no other person religious person any religious leader never claimed to save the world Like, Muhammad never claimed to save the world. Buddha never claimed to save the world. Confucius never claimed to save the world. Only Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. I'll give my life for my my people. I love you. I'm for you. Listen, you can visit Muhammad's grave. You can visit Buddha's grave. you You can visit Confucius' grave. But you can't visit Jesus' grave because he's so boss that he rose again. And he's alive. And he's well in this place. That's why he's the ultimate hero. He gave, he's like, you don't, you don't, you're not killing me, I'm giving my life. He said, I literally gave my life for the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now that's the ultimate hero. His name is Jesus. Let's take a moment and give him some praise this morning for who he is. And what I love about that is, is that every superhero has a sidekick. Batman has Robin, right? Again, come on, what's wrong with you? You don't know who Robin is. You know, every superhero has a team, right? Every superhero needs someone to help. And so what's cool is when you read scriptures, Jesus is saying, you're meant to be my sidekick in this. He didn't save you just for you to be saved. He's like, I saved you for you to join the team to help rescue people. Like, I saved you so that you can become part of the rescue mission. See, we're not the Avengers, but we're the Christians. We're the followers of Jesus. We're the ones that walk with Jesus. We're the ones that talk with Jesus. And we're the ones that bring solutions to situations where Jesus is needed because he called us to be more than people who go to a building. He called us to be a people that would carry hope, that would carry wisdom, that would carry grace, that would carry healing with us. We are Jesus' sidekick. Can you say amen? So don't reduce this thing to a Sunday morning thing. It's a lifetime of things. He realized that the only way we're going to reach the world, he says, I'm going to go, but you guys are going to take over the world. You know what's cool about Christianity? Someone is worshiping Jesus somewhere in the world right now. I don't know if you know this. I pray you do your research. But one of the greatest revival happening in our world right now is in Iran. A place that seems to oppress Christians. A place that seems to be nothing good happening. Jesus is, is saving more Muslims right now than ever in the history of humanity. God is faithful. He's still working. Not just in America. He's working all over the world. And the good news is you can play a role in the rescue mission of people, of cities, and the world. See, he gave you superpowers. Now, the difference between a superhero and an everyday hero is that a superhero has about two hours to save the world. You ever notice that? 
two hours about how long a movie is. Like, they have to do it in that amount of time. And so there's a lot of action. There's a lot of things that takes place. And then sometimes we get all like, man, how come things don't happen like that? Just remember that you're, 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 you're reading what was compressed into two hours. See, when you read the Bible sometimes, you read two verses, you realize that five years went by because you're reading the sports center of the Bible. You're not reading the whole thing. And so the difference is that you don't have two hours. You have a lifetime. And that's good news. Right? That, that every day you have the opportunity to be who Jesus called you to be. Every day you have the opportunity to play a role in the well-being of someone else's life. Can you say amen? See, please write this down. Most of life happens in the mundane. Life happens on Mondays. On Wednesday afternoon. Friday evenings. That's when life actually happens. Right? And because we're waiting for life to happen, we don't happen to life. Hello, somebody. Everybody seems to think they're waiting on something to come. And everybody thinks that thing is coming. And then we keep waiting, but life keeps passing us by. Because we're waiting for some kind of momentous moment to take place. But I got news for you. Most of what God does happens in the mundane. Mountaintop experiences come and go, but the mundane is always there. And I believe God is the God of the day of the day to day. Can you say amen? See, listen, mountaintop experiences are not regular, but daily life is. So shouldn't we be paying attention more to the day to day? Because perhaps the day to day leads to the mountaintops. Perhaps it's the day to day, it's the accumulation of the day to day that leads to certain powerful experiences. Can you say amen? If you're taking notes, please write this down. Every day we get to do great small things. Every day we get to do great small things. You see, it's no small task to show up every day and raise a family. It's no small task every day to keep waking up and, and, and kids are fighting over who got the bathroom first and, and, and who's going to get to school on time and, and, and who's mad or who. Every day, for you to show up every day and bring your best to the table, that takes an everyday person that says, I'm in this thing. Every day. It takes intentionality to be a husband every day. It takes intentionality to be a father every day, to be a wife every day, to be a friend Every day. So we don't take those things lightly because life is a series of small actions. Life is a series of small actions that leads to bigger things. Like going to work every day. It takes some type of courage to get up every day and keep going to work. It takes some kind of tenacity every day to keep going to work. Even if it's not the place that you felt you should be at. But you know that going to work today is a catalyst for where I want to be someday. It takes some serious courage to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again because consistency will yield fruits. Can you say amen? amen? It takes courage to do that. It takes courage to keep serving in ministry, even if I'm not being recognized. It takes courage to keep believing that everything that we're doing for our children today are going to reap benefits later on. It takes courage to keep showing up to life. It takes courage to go to Kenya and help these orphans. It takes everyday people who are willing to say, God, you're not just the God of certain moments. You're the God of every moment. Can you say amen? God works in the mundane as much as he works in the mountaintop experiences. And that is why he said, I've called you to be light. And I've called you to be salt. See, I like to clarify for people, Jesus' main audience was just everyday people. I like to, to get away from this idea, this notion that there are certain people who are super spiritual. I got good news for you. The only super person is Jesus. Everybody else is just regular people that Jesus can fill with his presence to do amazing things, extraordinary things, powerful things. Have you ever seen Mother Teresa, five foot two woman, but a powerful woman? Why? Because she believed that Jesus can use her to make a difference in this world. This five two woman spoke to presidents, spoke to governors, changed many lives. Why? Because she believed, she had the tenacity to believe that Jesus is with me in the mundane. And they asked her, Mother Teresa, how is it that you were able to do so much every day of your life? She said, all I knew is I had to do it to one person. 
If I can see Jesus in one person, then I'll see in the next one, in the next one. See, there's no surprises. There's no gimmicks there. It's just someone who believes Jesus called me to be light and salt. Therefore, I'm going to be light and salt by the power of the spirit that he puts in me. And I'm just going to do it every single day of my life. I tell my young people all the time, there are no days off even when you're off. Hello, somebody. Because God is with us every step of the way. See, this week as I was getting ready for this message, I felt God really impressed upon me to say this. He said, speak life over the single parents because you're doing the life of two people. Well, I want to salute you. I want to congratulate you. Keep doing what you're doing. God sees you. I know those knuckleheads don't show appreciation sometimes, but what you're doing is, is, is changing their lives. What you're doing is setting them up for a better future than you have. And so God is with you and is for you, and you're going to see the benefits of your job that you're doing right now. And I want to tell you one more thing. I want to tell you one more thing. You are doing better than you think you are. Come on, let's give it up for the single parents in this house. fascinating about Jesus' teaching. is always practical. Look, he, he, he said, you are light and salt. He took two things that you use every day and said, that's what I want you to do. Every day you use light. And every day you use salt. If you're converting, you know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all, what the hell, people, you're, you're still using salt. I don't care what you say. Like salt is in something that you're using every single day. Right? So isn't it fascinating that he's saying to us, he says, I want you to just be everyday people, but who understand that you are, if you, you're supposed to be effective and useful. Light is effective and useful. Salt is effective and useful. And he says, if, you, if those two things lose their distinction, then they're good for nothing. Isn't it powerful that he's saying like, you see how light works? I want you to be like that. You see how salt works? That's how I want you to be. It's so amazing to me because a lot of times we make Christianity to be elusive somewhere in a galaxy far, far away. Jesus is like, no, I want to bring it right to where you are. You use light every day. You use salt every day. So why don't you begin to, to, to look at life that way and activate your faith in a way that you are light and then you are salt? Yeah, you are, you are those I'm convinced. So I'm going to give you some practical things here to show you what I mean. See, light is obvious. Salt is subtle. Whenever there's light, you know it's light. But you don't always know where the salt until you taste it. Oh my God, that's so good. I'm preaching to myself. And you guys are getting ahead of me. I'm not there yet. There's light. But then there's salt. What Jesus is saying is, I want you every day to be obvious at times. But other times I want you to be subtle. Are you following? There's times to be obvious, then there's times to be subtle. This is why it's an everyday thing. Because in every situation, there's different things that's going to happen. There's sometimes you need to shed light on some things. Sometimes you just need to be subtle about some things. Are you following what I'm trying to get at? And what I love about it is, he always, and when you study Jesus, it's awesome because he always insists on telling you this is who you are. We live in a society that loves to tell you who you're not. Jesus is always, always impressing upon us. I don't care what society says. I don't even care what your feeling says. Here's who you are. You are who you are by my grace, by my power, by my strength. You are light. You are salt. Don't you worry about anything else. Don't you listen to nobody else. I've called you to be this and I've created you to be this and I'm going to empower you to be this. Someone ought to thank God that we don't have to be perfect to be light and to be salt. We always hear messages about believing in God, but I got good news. He believes in you. He says, I believe in you to be the light and the salt of your world. How awesome is that? So let's talk a little bit about each one. So light, right? What does light do? Light does many things, but I just want to highlight four things in a practical sense. First thing that light does is light illuminates. Right now, there's a lot of chaos, a lot of darkness going on. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to be the one to illuminate. I don't want you to contribute to the darkness. So don't hide your light. I want you to let your light shine. Right? I don't want you to back up and retreat. 
and become a doomsday prepper. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be in the middle of the darkness so that people can see, wait, there's still light. There's still hope. There's still peace. There's still grace. There's still power. There's still a way where there seems to be no way. Like light always tells you there's a crack over there. We can still make it over there. Come on. That's the kind of people Jesus wants us to be. Don't talk about darkness. Point your way to the light. Too many captains of the darkness. You know, it's so bad. So bad. Well, tell us something we don't know. I don't care how bad it is. There's always a crack of light somewhere when you're walking with Jesus. Can you say amen? The second thing light does is light exposes. Sometimes light will expose things. Right? What do you do with things you don't want no one to see? You put them in the basement. Right? You got family coming over. What do you do? You throw everything in a closet. Close the door. No one knows, man. It's a mess up in there. <laughs> but, so life comes to expose things that are not supposed to be messy. Did you notice the last four weeks, five weeks, we talked about relationships? But we did is we exposed some things that the culture lies about. There are, the reason why we have to expose it is to bring healing. See, the goal is never to expose things for judgmental reasons, for condemning reasons. See, God never exposes anything to condemn or judge. God exposes it to make it better. God exposes it to say there's a better way to do this. There's a better way to date. There's a better way to be a husband. There's a better way to be a father. That's the point. Light will always expose the lies of the culture. Culture says, do you. God says, do me. Culture says, conform. God says, transform. Culture says, keep. God says, give. So, so the word comes to expose these lies so we can become better people. The people he created us to be in the first place. The third thing that light does is light clarifies. See, light brings beauty to things. Light says, look, man, look at that. That's, that's awesome. Right? Because everybody wants to tell you what's wrong. Everybody, you know what's wrong with the church. They're full of hypocrites. They want your money. And then we, we step in and we clarify. We're like, hold on. I go to a church where we actually love God and love people. We give to the poor. We give to orphans. And we give to the homeless. Like, I don't know about you, but I go to an awesome church. Like, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you there's a better way. I'm here to tell you that not all churches are what you say it is. Like, we all have bad experiences, but we can't allow the bad experience to become a general experience. Because you had a bad, uh, you bad, a bad relationship doesn't mean all relationships are bad. Because you had a bad job doesn't mean all jobs are bad. Because you had a bad pastor doesn't mean all pastors are bad. Right? And so light comes to clarify things. No, there are beautiful things. There are things that are true. Things that are noble. Things that are excellent. Things that are praiseworthy. Focus on those things. Yeah, you can focus on the negative. But when you have light, you shed light on things that are positive and good. And awesome. That's what life does. Light, number four, reveals grace and truth. We need revelation of who God is. See, we don't need more religious services. We don't need to know more Bible verses. We need to be revealed what they mean. If God doesn't reveal himself to us, we're on our own. That's why Jesus had to come as a, as a person, flesh and blood. Because he's like, you won't understand who I am unless I walk with you. I talk with you, and I eat with you, I fellowship with you, and I break bread with you, and I die for you in real time, in real life, so you can see this is what God looks like. God will reveal himself. Jesus came as the full revelation of who God is. And then he says, now go be like me. See, the word Christian means little Christ. He says, now go and do that. Go and be graceful. Go and bring the truth. Go and bring righteousness. Go and bring holiness. Go and bring the kingdom. How does he pray? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's not about going somewhere. It's about bringing heaven to earth. That's the point. That's the point. And then he says you got to be salt. You know what's interesting in Jesus' day, salt was used for two main reasons. Right? Number one reason salt was used was a preservative because they didn't have refrigeration back then. So for them, salt was a critical part of their everyday. If they were going to keep their food, if they, you know, they can kill bacteria, prevent food from spoiling. Life, like salt was a very essential part of their everyday. So when he says you have to be salt, people understood, oh, we're meant to be preservatives. And then the second thing that salt does is it adds flavor. Again, if you're Cape Verdean, 
you do something religiously every day, you eat rice. It's what we do. If there's no rice, we didn't eat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? But have you ever had rice without salt? Mmm. It's like eating cardboard. You know, you know the, the rice got to have the right amount of salt. You know, my our church office is downtown, and so, you know, we found a spot called Spicy Lime. I like Thai food, and, and I go in there uh, often, and I have rice. <laughs> you know, I, I asked the guy for the menu. I look at the menu, but I always order the same thing. Anyone else does that? Like, you look at the menu, but you know exactly what you're going to get? Like, last week, I told him, uh, uh, let me see the menu. Uh, I think I'll try uh, Bangkok rice. He goes, isn't that what you always have? Yeah, but I'm going to try it again. But, uh, I'm going to have Bangkok fried rice with chicken. That's, that's my jam. But I love rice, you know, but it's got to have the right amount. If not, it's not that good. So Jesus is saying, I want you to not be just obvious. I want you to be subtle. I want you to be a preserver of the things that are good. Because you live in a time where people will trample over things that are good. I want you to preserve the truth. I want you to preserve what is right. I want you to preserve what is holy. I want you, get this, so good. I want you to bring flavor to a tasteless society. I want you to bring the flavor to it. Where everybody's telling you how horrible it is, how terrible it is. I want you to put a better taste in their mouth about what it could be. Come on, somebody, that's good. See, salt is subtle. Jesus said, I want you to be in the world, but I don't want you to be of it. That's subtle. In other words, tomorrow morning you're going to go to work. Now, I don't know what your work situation is. I don't know what your work uh, culture is. But Jesus said, if that culture, that situation is not of me, you can be there, but it doesn't mean you have to be part of it. You can bring a different flavor to it. Right? Some of you, your challenge is you live with people who don't believe the same things you do. So what do you do? Do you bash them? Do you get angry at them? No. You have to be subtle about how you're going to win them over. See, some of you, are you married to people who don't come to church? Here's what the Bible says you should do. He said you should subtly pray for them. Pray for their hearts to be transformed. And subtly, every day, be a living testimony of what it means to be a follower of Jesus without forcing anything on them. If you pray for them and you subtly be an example, sooner or later, you're going to see the will of God being done in their lives. He says that's how you went over an unbeliever. You don't win them over by arguing with them. You went over by gracing them. See, he goes on to say, even those who give you a hard time, he says, you bless them. Because when you bless them, they don't know what to do with themselves. I was trying to teach my son this week how to deal sometimes in school when he's getting made fun of because he's nine years old. And he's, he's a pretty good basketball player. He plays against like all the kids and they, they get weird. But I said, listen, the worst thing you can do is get mad. I said, here's what you're going to do. Because they're like, dad, they call me short. I was like, man, I was too. I was so short. I was shorter than my sister. It used to drive me crazy because I'm older than her. And then I, and I kept praying and God gave me this like crazy you know, spurt of growth. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But I said, how do you deal with people like that? You agree with them. Oh, look at this show. "Ah, You're so funny. (laughs) You're so good one, man. Good one. That was, that was awesome. I said, you do that and you walk away. Don't stick around because then you're going to get them really mad. You just, you do that and you, and you walk away because then I'm going to have to come to school and put Jesus on hold. I don't want to do that. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be that guy. Because parents, let's be real. When you hear those stories, you're like, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> right? Because you love your kids. But we're not going to teach them anything if we, we step in for them all the time. We've got to teach them how to deal with these situations. Right? We've got to teach them that sometimes life is going to be that way, but it's how you respond. It's how you respond. You respond with subtlety, and there's more strength in that than anything else. Can you say amen? And so, you got to be light, you got to be salt. Listen, if you live with a non-Christian, win them with subtlety, a prayer, an example. Because remember, too much of a good thing is never good. 
Too much salt. You ever had salty rice? Some of y'all, you're like, yeah, that's my wife. Don't. Just look straight. Just look straight. Okay, just look right here. I got you. It's you and I. Okay. Too much of a good thing is not good, so don't force it. Sometimes we get in in the way of what God is trying to do with those people because we're trying too hard. Then you get frustrated. You get angry. Now you're mad at him and you're mad at God. God's like, I didn't do it. You, you got in the way. I've been trying to work on him or her. You know, just pray for them. Every day. Pray for what you want to see. And don't stop praying until you see it. And, but make sure you are being a living testimony, an example, so they can see something that they're missing. Don't you know every day when you show up and you become light and salt, you're reminding someone, this is how your life is meant to be. This is meant to be blessed. You're meant to live like this. That's what happens when we show up. So listen, as preservers, please write this down. God's people do the right thing because it's the right thing. We live in a society is, what's in it for me when I do that? We're called to do the right thing just because it's the right thing. I've told you this over and over again. Don't focus on being right. Focus on being righteous. See, here's what scripture says about being the flavor. Micah 6 says this. The Lord has told you what is good. This is what he requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. That's how you become subtle every day. You do the right thing. Because he won't go unnoticed. You keep showing mercy. Because one day you'll need it. And you keep walking humbly with your God. Why? Because you know it's not about you. It's about him. Can you say amen? So church, listen. We are those who add flavor to our world. Tomorrow morning, go to your job and bring some flavor to it. Because I don't know about you. But you're going to have to work. Revelation. So if you're going to have to work, I'm not saying you have to stay at the same place forever. But understand this, there's a time and a season for everything. Usually, your next season comes out of of you respond to the season that you're in in the first place. See, some people will never get a breakthrough because all they do in this season is complain and whine and bicker and, and say why things are not right. But not understanding, it's a test. It's a test. God will test you in the season to see, are you ready for the next one? And when you keep whining, complaining, bickering, God's like that coach. is like, one more lap. Run it again. I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. I didn't make this up. The Israelites spent 40 years in the desert because they kept whining and complaining. It should have taken them 11 days. It took them 40 years. Now, get, wrap that all on your mind. Like, God is saying, listen, it's a test. You're thinking that person is there to annoy you, is there to test you. Like, I'm telling you, the season that you're in, but how you respond to that season is the catalyst for the next one. Right? So, tomorrow morning, I don't know what your work situation is, just show up and go, hey. You're like, well, hey, is. I don't know, but it's hey. It's better than other things I could be saying. You got to fake it until, I mean, you got to faith it until you make it. Sometimes you got to just put up your faith like, God, I'm going. You said you're God. You're with me on Monday. Stop cursing Monday. It won't change. Embrace Monday. Embrace the beauty of it that you woke up this morning. Someone else didn't wake up. You got a job. Someone else doesn't. You got a man. Someone else doesn't. Drop him and watch someone's like, hello. Hello. Thank you, Jesus. It came. I waited. My season is here. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is, guys, we are the optimistic ones. In a cynical world, in a jaded world, broken world, let's stand out as the optimistic ones. Yeah, how easy it is to tell me something is wrong. Like, how about we, we are the ones who says, yeah, but there's a solution. There's a way. If there isn't a way, he'll make a way. And if he doesn't make a way, he is the way. So sooner or later, I'm going to see breakthrough. I just got to stay focused on him. 
Come on, somebody. We have to be the optimistic ones. Here's another one. I, I think it's important, church, that we are the ones who not just believe in God. We need to believe in people. Like, there's, a, there's a distinction, separation sometimes that it's not healthy. People are like, I believe God, but I don't trust anybody. But it's like, how are you ever going to have real honest-to-goodness encounters with people if you're always coming from that end? I don't care how many articles they put out about panhandlers. My conviction is, if God's put in my heart to give to them, I'm going to give to them. I don't care what you say. And I, know, and I know the justification is, yeah, but they're cheating the system. But can I, give, can I, can I shed some light on this? Some of y'all are in this church and you're cheating the system. Some of y'all, you haven't paid your, 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 your child support for months. Every time the video comes around, you're like, you're like, make sure you don't get on Facebook. Some of y'all getting paid under the table. I don't want, light exposes. If we're going to expose, let's go all the way. Because we all fall short. All of us fall short. Sometimes, have you ever bought a meal for them and, and had a conversation? Maybe it breaks your heart when you hear their story. Who sets out to be a panhandler? Nobody does. And I know, again, some, some do take advantage of the system. But, man, we have a tendency to generalize people. Everybody is doing that. No, we've got to start believing in people. Because Jesus said, listen, powerful. He says, when you feed them, it's like you're feeding me. He said, when you clothe them, it's like you're clothing me. He says, when you visit them, it's like you're visiting me. He says, if you reach the orphans, it's like you're reaching me. He says, you were a spiritual orphan. Now you can reach an orphan. That's why we go to Kenya. That's why we help these kids. We're being like Jesus. We've got to believe in people. Some people are here today because we went to shelters and found them there and prayed with them. Now they're out of the shelter and doing the same thing. Matter, matter of fact, in two weeks, when we go to the tent city, you know who's leading that ministry? It's a, man, God is so good. One of the young men from the church named Paul. When we met him, he was homeless in the homeless shelter. Now he's going to lead the ministry to the homeless. We got to believe. We got to believe in people. We got to believe there's a better tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. There is there's hope. There's always hope. I pray we are the people. Church, please hear me. I pray we are the people that people want to be around. I pray that we are the people that they may not believe what we believe, but when they're in trouble, they're coming to us. They say, pray for me. I know you pray. I know you believe. You know, I've had people make fun of me, but then come and whisper at me, can you pray for me? And the punk in me might be like, yeah. But then I remember, I'm just a knucklehead like you, saved by grace. We got to believe in people. We got to do better. We got to be around people. I pray with the church that people don't feel repelled by us. Because we think we're better. We're not better. I pray we believe in people. I pray we keep continuing to create an atmosphere where people can come in. No matter how they come. Come as you are. But God will change you. God will transform you. God will heal you. Let's not just believe in God. Let's believe in people. Can you say amen? Listen, I believe that we're the kind of people that's supposed to bring inspiration and faith to the table of life. I believe we're the kind of people supposed to have, get this, a zeal for life. Like, we're supposed to be excited about life because we met the life. Like, we shouldn't be the ones dreading life. We shouldn't be the ones surviving life. We're supposed to thrive in life. We're the followers of God of the universe. We're supposed to be excited about life. I pray you drop the same old, same old. No, God is up to something new. I may not see it. I may not know it, but I trust him. I believe him. He's for me. Who can be against me? We got to believe. 
Listen, we're the ones who keep a positive attitude in our homes. If you have an unbeliever in your house, fine. You're the believer. Hold it down. God is trusting you with that. He's got to start somewhere. We're the ones with a positive attitude at the workplace. You're going to spend 40 hours in a place and have a terrible attitude. It's going to feel like 80. But if you go in there with a positive attitude, with the will of God over your life, then 40 hours will begin to pass you by. And you begin to actually do something weird. You begin to enjoy life. Listen, we're the ones, here's another one. We're the ones who keep a positive attitude on social media. There's plenty of trolls. There's plenty of negative people already. I pray every time someone looks at your Facebook page, your Instagram page, your Twitter page, they see hope, they see healing, they see restoration, they see that there's life. Don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot of things wrong, but it doesn't mean I have to focus on them. I know that there's a lot of things wrong with the church. I know the church could be better. I know the church can operate better. But man, there's a lot of good things going on in the church. I want to celebrate those things and work on the negative stuff and make it better. You know, it's like all of a sudden, everybody now has an opinion. The church is full of this. The church is full of that. But it's like, listen, you're talking about the problems. We're trying to be the solution here. Right? Because if you pay attention, there's a lot of good going on. And, and, and I, last time I checked, when you, when you highlight the good, man, I'm telling you, you begin to see that, wait, there's actually more good happening. Actually, there's more. There's, there's actually more. Wait, wait, there's more happening. If I just focus. Listen, we're the people who bless our communities. I pray this church never curses where they live. Because God is there with you. And God put you there for a reason. We don't, we don't, we don't push any candidates but there's an election coming this week in New Bedford. You should get out and vote. You should get out and voice your opinion that your light and salt in this city. Then go vote for the person you believe should be the person that's going to help run this city better. Because here's the thing. Majority of people who complain about the city don't do jack to make it better. So there's an election coming. How many people are actually going to go out and say, Lord, use my vote for good? Use my vote to bring someone in that maybe can help us be better. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, that's so good. So much I want to tell you. Salt, at the end of the day, will make you thirsty. Could it be that Jesus is saying, I want you to live in such a way that people will be thirsty for God's will over their lives as well? Could it be? Could it be? That's the challenge. He's saying our life should cause others to be thirsty for a true relationship with Jesus. I believe this. Every day when you get up and you go do what you do, you're supposed to be a living testimony that God's real. We can't make anybody believe, but you can believe. I believe that with all my heart. I believe even further that every day your life should be a reminder to other people that how they should live. You didn't have to open your mouth. Right? Isn't it interesting when people are not being light and salt and they're being weird and they're trying to like be in the world and be in church and they back paddle and they go to a club and they get do they do this and do that and when they see you they get weird without you saying a word? Why do they get weird? Because it's a reminder. Wait, I'm not being who Jesus called me to be. When they see you, it's a reminder. It's not condemning. It's not judging. It's exposing the lie that you live in a lie. You're supposed to be living in the light. You're supposed to be here living for Jesus to the fullest. Don't lose your flavor, Jesus said. He said, don't hide your light. So you got to ask the question, how is it that someone can lose their flavor? You lose your flavor when you conform. You lose your flavor when you talk like everybody else. When you act like everybody else, when you believe like everybody else, when you behave like everybody else, then you're losing your flavor. He says, if you do that, then what are you good for? What's the point of coming to a building on Sunday, but then go look like everybody else on Monday? That's not the point. That's losing your flavor. That's being like everybody else. He says, listen, what happens when you lose light in your house? You lost power. Jesus is saying, when you conform, you lost power. Why is it that some people will come to church but never have power over addiction? Because they conform to the addiction. 
They give power to the addiction. As opposed to speaking life over that thing. As opposed to rejecting it in Jesus' name and saying, I have power to overcome addiction. I'm not meant to stay addicted. I'm not meant to carry this thing around. Power. There's power when you're walking with Jesus. But if you lose your flavor, then you look like everybody else. You do the same things. You pop the same pills. You drink the same stuff. And you sleep with the same people. Why? Because you have no power. You're meant to be distinct. You're meant to be different. You're meant to have power in your life. Where there's no power, I'm going to get deep now. Where there's no power, there's no authority. There's demons walking around your house. You can't rebuke them because you have no power. When there's no power, there's no authority to rebuke things that shouldn't be in your life. When you have no power, you justify why you have no power. You don't understand. No one understands. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. But the more you do that, the more you're saying to that thing, you have power over me. 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 You're supposed to have power, the Bible says. Power to speak over demons. Power to cast out depression. Power to cast out drug abuse. Power to cast out lust. Power to cast out every evil that rises against you. You have the power and the authority to cast it out. You have power in Jesus' name. Don't you embrace malfunction. And don't you dare justify malfunction. Worse yet. Don't embrace malfunction. Sometimes we hang around with people who are malfunctioned because we feel malfunction. Jesus went to a place where a lot of people were lame. And he had to ask a dumb question. Do you want to get well? Why does he ask that? Because it's like you've embraced your malfunction. A lot of people embrace it. Walk with it. Talk with it. Justify it. And then tell you all the reasons why they can't be healed. Today he says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? The worst part about losing your flavor is no one will take you seriously. They'll put you in that category of, oh, that's that guy that goes to church. Nothing worse than that. When people don't even pay attention to you. You are no power to the devil. He's like, I got you already. But when you get up with power every day, all hell should tremble that someone is up and they're about to cause a ruckus in Jesus' name. They're about to go to work in Jesus' name. They're about to lay hands on somebody and see healing take place in Jesus' name. That's the power you're meant to live with. Listen, we're not going inside this church to be cute. We're, we're, We're giving people more options to come get power. More options to get out of their same old, same old. When I come to play religion, can I, can I have an announcement? If you're here to play church, you picked the wrong one. We're not here to play church. We're here to see the church. We're here to see the power of God in this place. Listen, I'm going to wrap it up here. You guys can come up. Listen, four things, practically speaking, about being light and salt every day. Four things, practically speaking. Listen, you got to keep showing up. You got to be consistent. Because consistency will yield results. You show up every day to your job. Show up every day to your marriage. Show up every day to your kids. And watch the fruits come. Because if you're sowing, eventually you're going to reap. If you're sowing, you're going to reap. If you're sowing, you're going to reap. The Bible says God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. If you're sowing it, you're going to see it. Be consistent. Keep believing. Not wishful thinking. Faith is not wishing. Faith is declaring. Faith is saying, God, you are who you are. And you said, if I come after you, you will bless me with the desires of my heart. I will see the things that I want to see in my life. I will see my husband get saved. I will see my my son come back to Jesus. I will see a better future. I will have a better job. You keep trying. You don't stop trying. One of the sad things about our society is too many people quit all the time. We've been here for four years. You know how many people I've seen quit? But we quit over dumb stuff. We quit right when we're about to get a breakthrough. Right when we're about to go through the promised land, we quit. And the things that people say will baffle you why they quit. 
oh, this person looked at me weird. Oh, this happened. Oh, I feel judged. Oh, you guys asked me to tithe. You quit over that? Here's what I tell people. If you have a problem with tithing, why don't you give more than 10? Go above it. Oh, come on. No, no amen's there. Got you there. Go above it. Be more generous. But don't let this thing rule your life. Some people walk with their gods in their pocket. Tell me what I can or cannot do. That's a small Lord G God. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You got to give one away. You better give God your wallet. You can always tell when someone worships money. When you bring it up, they get tight. Everything is all good until you bring that up. It's like, uh, so why, why are you having a convulsion, bro? Like, what happened? You got to keep relying on the Holy Spirit. You can't live this walk on your own strength. That's a mistake. Some of you, you hear this man, you go, man, tomorrow morning I'm going to, wrong. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You're meant to live with power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have what it takes. One of the cool things about the time we're living with superheroes is that, man, the movies they're making today. Have you ever watched the movies, superhero movies in the 70s or the 80s? Cow, pow, doing, bing, bang. You're like, man, that's terrible. But we didn't know it was terrible until we saw what it could be. And that's life without the Holy Spirit. You're like, pow, bam, bam. You're like, man, what are you doing? There's a better here, like power in the Holy Spirit. Like you can live better. You can live better. So as I end, listen, look what the Bible says. Look at this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to have power? You want to overcome? Then be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the only thing that should have control of your mind, of your psyche, of your emotions. Listen, you need to reject weed and embrace the Holy Spirit. You need to reject drugs and embrace the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to numb your mind with drinking and start receiving the Holy Spirit over your life. There's power in the Holy Spirit. Give me that mic. Stand on your feet. I want to pray for you. Thank you for listening. I hope that did encourage you and then you can share it with someone who needs to hear from God. And we hope to see you soon. God bless.